Podcast One. Edward Ross and Dan Allen met on a building site and had a long, comfortable career ahead of them as well-paid carpenters. Then something terrible happened, which changed the course of both their lives. It also led to the creation of a business that in its third year will turn over close to $2 million. It's a very motivating episode 523 of the 11-year-old award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo And welcome back to your weekly dose of compassionate marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reid. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner because you listen to this podcast and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful, beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Big episode today. We meet the founders of workwear clothing brand Trademart, which was born out of an incredibly sad story. This week's Monster Prize Draw winner used an idea from this podcast to hook an ASX-listed company and another lead worth over $1 million to them. Plus, I let you in on next week's guest, whose third-generation chocolate shop is growing thanks to some very state-of-the-art marketing. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck. Right in. Hi, Tim. Louisa from Allard Active here. Just wanted to reach out and give you a big thank you for featuring my little business on your recent episode. Uh, I wanted to let you know that since the episode, my website traffic has tripled, if not more, and I attribute that directly to your podcast. So thank you. Marketing works, and I appreciate the gift of exposure. Louisa from Allard Active. <laughs> There's the quote of the century, marketing works, damn right it does. And what about that increase in website traffic? I love it. Louisa, thank you again for reaching out, for listening to the show and for being an implementer. That's awesome to get that that feedback. Uh, Anyone else, just give us a buzz, 0480-015-150. Leave me a message. Maybe you've got a question, maybe a comment, maybe you want to be constructively critical Uh, just go for it, and I might just play it on air. Now, a big thank you to longtime listener Arne Betteridge of Signature Clothing, who introduced me to today's guests, Ed Ross and Dan Allen, who met on a building site in 2014. Two young tradies starting what they thought was going to be a lucrative career in carpentry. Ah, tradie, any kind of tradie. It's a lucrative career these days. Money for jam. Now, two years on, that dream came to a grinding halt when Dan received news that one of his best mates had taken his life. This, of course, led to the boys questioning everything. What are we doing? Are we really doing what we love? How can we put an end to young males suiciding? Fast forward to 2016 and Trademutt was launched, a social enterprise Aussie workwear brand aimed at making tradies look and feel good at work whilst reducing the rate of male suicide in Australia. Now, basically, Trademutt makes loud and vibrant high-vis workwear, (laughs) even louder, that include a bunch of crazy designs that act as a conversation starters around mental health. In fact, on the back of every Trademutt top is the line, And I quote, this is a conversation starter. Now, in 2020, the business will turn over close to $2 million, employs eight full-time staff, and will have 1,000 stopkeeping units by Christmas this year. Now, as is always the case, if discussions around mental health or suicide trigger something within you, then maybe listen to another episode. And please be sure to reach out to a friend if that is the case. I started off by asking the boys to describe the conversation that led to leaving their jobs and starting Trademark. Well, gee whiz, uh, where do we start? So I'm from uh, Central West Queensland. Uh, did some boarding school here in Brizzy and then moved away for a few years. And after a few uh, few events that took place in my life, I decided to move move back to Brizzy uh, and 
it was sort of a, a weird time. I was doing some labouring and, and stuff for some builders and, uh, yeah, this apprenticeship sort of popped up out of nowhere and sort of went to just to do a couple of days' work for this bloke and, and you know, get a bit of cash and ended up starting the same day for this builder as, as Dan did and, uh, yeah, sort of the rest was history. Sort of became best mates on site through some hard toil and labour. Yeah, so obviously that was the voice of Ed there. So um, Dan here, I've got a, yeah, my side of the story was, yeah, I moved up to Brisbane from Sydney to work for a builder for two weeks. Um, that was kind of 10 years ago. And that move, what I went up for, for that two-week period, it was kind of a real life-changing moment, I suppose, for me because it meant that I formed a whole bunch of new relationships that I wouldn't have otherwise opened myself up to. And one of those relationships was, um, yeah, my mate who became, you know, quite like a brother to me, whose name was also Dan, um, formed a really formidable, you know, mateship and I became a bit of a mentor to him and he sort of wanted to become a carpenter, um, sort of inspired by me. So sort of all the way through our mateship, was always kind of trying to look out to, to, to get Dan a, a mature age apprenticeship and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, as Ed said, we met on a building site in 2014. And in 2015, uh, when Ed and I were working on a job together, I remember it was a Thursday at um, yeah, suburb of Brisbane and got a call from my mate Dan who I was up on top of a ladder and, you know, Dan had called me and said, screaming through the phone, jumping for joy, mate, you're never going to believe it. I've, I've nailed a mature age apprenticeship. I've finally scored one. This is epic. Ed could hear him coming through the phone. Ed was standing on the ground passing me timber. No, matrix sheets. And Yeah, matrix sheets. <laughs> and, and yeah, so that was a Thursday. Life couldn't have been better. It was, um, you know, everything was looking up. Everything was great. And um, Sunday morning, three days later, I woke up to a call um, from another one of my mates giving me the news that Dan had tragically taken his life the night before in Brisbane. And that was my first experience with suicide. That was both of our first experiences with suicide and obviously a life-defining, life-changing moment, um, obviously very traumatic and tragic to deal with. But, you know, in that sort of time following that event, we sort of taking a deep dive into this mental health space and as you do, questioning everything, and it became just so obvious how much of a lack of, you know, understanding and education there is around mental health in this country, what it actually means and, you know, I suppose in line with that, it's blokes who really struggle with opening up and all that sort of stuff and being a couple tradies in a, in a male-dominated industry, we sort of really looking deeply into it in that sector. I mean, we had an idea previous to this about creating some workwear. We thought it would be great to wear something different to work every day because we were always wearing khaki and just your standard high-vis. And after that event in 2015, we actually started to look into this idea of making some work shirts. And given everything that had happened, we sort of, we learnt about social enterprise and using profit for purpose. And we started to form these two ideas together. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be awesome if we could actually create these work shirts and then use the event of losing my mate to suicide as a positive thing and try to take a bit more of a lighthearted and a fun approach to the mental health space, you know, in an effort to make it a bit more relatable and approachable for, for, for everyone, for all Australians, but particularly blokes. And so that was it. It's kind of, when you say tell us about the conversation that led to it, it's kind of a, a series of just crazy events. A long, winded journey yeah. through a lot of different yeah, interactions and meeting a lot of different people. Yeah. Were you blokes looking for an out? Out of carpentry, out of building? Always looking for different things. I mean, after spending a week blackjacking, um, you know, block walls uh, in 45-degree heat in uh, in Queensland, you uh, yeah, dream of doing anything but what you are doing. Um, but, yeah, it was just sort of we, we'd always had different ideas. I mean, um, yeah, the, probably the entrepreneurial spirit sort of burns in both of us. What goes on on building sites in particular that – because, okay, men aren't awesome at talking and men aren't – particularly awesome at talking about their mental well-being. You hear stories, and I haven't been on many building sites, I don't think I've been on one, but you hear stories of bullying and, you know, it's where men are men and sheep are scared and all that kind of stuff. What actually happens? Oh, it's probably just a really uh, – because it is so male-dominated, there's probably this understanding of like a a harder exterior, tough blokes work hard, you know, you you get out of bed early in the morning, you're on site, you work from – yeah, daylight till dawn, um, you don't complain, you hook in, you don't, you know, 
push away from hard work and uh, it's really, you know, time is money. That's the, that's the whole thing with, you know, the trade industry. It's time is money. So it's a tough environment. So here you are, you two blokes are working on it. A terrible thing happens to your best mate, Dan, who also happens to be called Dan. You've got some kind of thinking to do around mental health because it's brought it to the fore for both of you. You've both wanted to start another business. You're both thinking that, you know, the gear you're wearing to work's no good. So enters Trade Mutt. Um, why the name Trade Mutt and explain what, explain what it is you're selling because I was going to try to, but you're going to do it infinitely better. Well, the irony is we already had the logo. We had to reverse engineer the name from the logo. So my um, my godfather had a, um, a building construction business in Toowoomba and he had a red cattle dog called Cody who got in a fight with a, a cat one night um, and her ear went limp. So he sketched it and that was his logo. And um, we were just, yeah, we just loved it and said, mate, can we use it? He said, well, yeah, I can dust out the business cards and get someone to sketch it up and get it going. So, yeah, we trademarked that and then, um, yeah, needed to have something with mutt and trade and that was sort of the pretty much the only URL left and but it works perfectly because it's trades it's what we're involved in and then mutt's obviously companionship mateship and uh, loyalty so yeah it's been really good and we work like dogs and we work like dogs yeah <laughs> yeah so explain what you're selling yeah, so it's a, a, it's a wide variety of uh, workwear PPE workwear for uh, you know the blue collar industry so we got PP? PPE personal protective equipment yeah there we go. There you go, yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, so basically we've got some high-vis garments, like day-night accredited, so you can get them on, uh, you know, high-risk commercial jobs and uh, into mine sites. And we've also got a, a line of uh, just standard uh, workwear as well for your residential tradies who uh, don't need high-vis compliant garments. Geez, Ed, standard is your your product mate is anything but standard. I'd lose that from your um, from your lexicon. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking at your website. You know, albeit this is an audio medium, so we have to work hard here to kind of get across exactly what your products look like. In fact, I'm I'm really struggling. Like, how would you describe the patterns that you have added to your high vis gear, your caps, your your garter, boot garters? Well, we I was uh, Scott Kilmartin had us on uh, Ticket TV the other day, and he, he described it as. Uh, a Mambo-inspired, um, yeah, colour thrashing. It's just like yes. we've just mashed all this stuff together. Um, you know, Dan and I don't have a design bone in our body, um, can barely use the laptops that we operate on a daily basis. So, Scary. I mean, we're just lucky enough to, to come across some um, some really cool designers that could help us out. The first line was obviously the you know, the, the ironic camouflage, so um, there's nothing camouflaged about it. So that worked perfectly for our narrative of, you know, making an invisible issue impossible to ignore and the latest design that we've got, the uh, stained glass collections, just sort of a, yeah, compilation of various different uh, squiggly lines and <laughs> shapes with a variety of different colours thrown together. How do you go, you two, you know, you're both tradies, you've got no experience running a business. How You, you haven't come from a fashion background or the rag trade as they call it. How do you go about starting a business like this? You've got to come up with styles, designs, fabrics, manufacturing. You've got to finance it. How does this happen? You basically just start right from the start. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, um, you know, one mantra that we've always sort of focused on is minimum viable product. What's the what's the minimum we've got to do here to get into the market? What are we trying to create? So we want to create a work shirt that's designed to start conversations. I'm just going to pull you up there. I'm just going to pull you up because I am interested. Minimum viable product is a term bandied around a lot, MVP. It came from a book called The Lean Startup, which was written by a Harvard professor. How do you know about MVP? Are you avid readers? Uh, how do I, we know about I, it? I am now. No, well, what, 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 how we came about, um, you know, the, the journey of, of starting this business was obviously, you know, Dan and I were just thrashing ourselves, you know, working seven days a week. And then we were working for a builder full time, but we we're also doing, you know, afternoon cash jobs where we'd finish at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock some nights. And then we were working both days on a weekend and working for months on end. Like we saved up a, a grand total of $32,000 in cash uh, and decided to uh, invest that completely into our startup idea. Um, so that's how we funded it. Um, and then we were really lucky just through our ability of asking for help, you know, like we are just so open-minded in, you know, finding the best people uh, around in their certain fields to help us progress through, you know, just take all the ego and the bullshit out of it and, you know, put our hand up and say, you know, we need people to help us with this. Uh, we're fortunate enough, we're actually renovating a um, uh, graphic designer's house in Albion here in Brizzy and we were wearing our samples to work and he's asking us what it is and we're like, oh, this is a business idea we've got. He's like, oh, cool, have you got a website? We're like, no. He's like, oh, well, I can help with that. And, you know, one thing led to another and, uh, yeah, the, like, the MVP stuff, we did a, a startup incubator with um, Impact Lab in uh, in 
Spring Hill in, in Brizzy here and, yeah, just learnt those sorts of terms, like minimum viable product, which was great because it's sort of, um, yeah, you can get get caught with the laser beam and chase it around the room, but you've really got to stay sort of laser focused on what you're uh, trying to achieve and, and get a product to market as quickly as possible. I like that, Ed. Mind if I use that laser beam analogy going forward? Mate, go hard. Thank you. Thank you, mate. I'm just removing all ego. I'm just asking for help. I need some new lines. It's beautiful. Um, so really, what you in answering the question of how you get trademark to market without any business experience is one step at a time. You've got 32 grand in the bank. You need a bit of product. You need a design. What made you think, and I think it is a good idea, the minute I saw it, I thought I, I can. It's, it's disruptive, it's needed, because a lot of the, you blokes are either wearing high-vis yellow or high-vis orange. You've gone and said, well, hang on, why not add a bit of fashion to it? Um, what made you think, though, that it was going to work? Had you tested it? <laughs> because when you say to your mates, hey, what do you reckon about this? They're going to go, oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. No, yeah. they all thought we were mad. We they, got, they, they all thought they all, we were mad. They yeah. all laughed at us, you know, a fair bit. It all kind of, I mean, if you t- if you tell someone that idea, we're going to make work shirts to get people talking about mental health. Like it's a pretty far fetched idea until it's until someone does it, obviously. But you know, yeah, what what made us think we could make it work? I don't know. Just sheer confidence, sheer belief in the fact that something needed to be done in this space, and also confidence in the fact that the workwear industry hasn't been, you know, shaken up in in forever. So <laughs> yeah, to the point, literally, to the point where we're kind of sitting there going, "Well, why hasn't anyone else done this?" Like, we, why? we thought it might not be able to be done due to the fact it not being done. You know, like why aren't people doing this? Not just from the narrative that we're trying to create, and you know, the impact we're trying to make in the you know social impact space, but. You know, why aren't people just making different variety of workwear? We couldn't really work that out. Did you work it out? Well, we still haven't. And we thought copycats would be the first thing that had happened, but, like, there's nothing coming into the market, which is really surprising. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, obviously we're happy that there isn't anything, um, but we've been able to, yeah, build a, a pretty large, um, yeah, brand with a lot of goodwill now that people, um, you know, see, a, you know, a strange-looking work shirt and instantly know what it stands for. It's early days, boys, and I, and I, I mean, again, I'm, I don't go looking on on work sites. I haven't seen any trademark gear out there, and I reckon if I saw it, I probably would look twice. Is one of the barriers, and, and you're doing okay. I mean, you, you're already, you know, the business is, is is nicely established. Do you think a barrier to entry is the fact that you know blokes? And to a lesser extent, women, although I think women are going to enjoy your product more, uh, blokes are saying to themselves, I'm going to look like a dickhead if I wear a stained glass design high-vis shirt. Is that a problem? Well, no. I mean, yeah, sort of. There's So what we found is it's a real pack mentality. As soon as someone wears one of these things, and then, and it's then a flow on they effect. do exactly what they say they do. Like if someone rocks up to site wearing one of these things, they start the conversation. We like we can guarantee that they will start that conversation as soon as that conversation sparks up about mental health. Everyone's face changes. You know that that sort of that you know that piss taking attitude just drops straight out of that conversation because everyone has a story or a connection to that topic and it. And it is a serious topic, you know. So yeah, once you take the sting out of that, um, yeah, it's kind of something that. All sorts of people want to get on board with, from young whippersnappers who like wearing Larry stuff to, you know, older older folk who would never wear anything Larry but, you know, uh, can understand the cause and really resonate with, you know, with the whole mental health thing. So yeah. it's been a really interesting dynamic to watch how people receive and then get on board with this. It's crazy. Is there is there a strategy that you have to encourage the pack mentality? Like, for example, I'm thinking on a large building site, I'm not talking about a residential home, but maybe an office or a larger building site, there's going to be a social influencer, and I use quotes here, but that bloke or that woman who is looked to because they're the cool one or the tough one or whatever, for whatever reason, do you have a strategy for getting to them or not yet? We kind of tripped and fell into this perfect thing where there's always an outlier, there's always someone who will kind of see it and they'll be the first one to wear it to site, but then they're starting conversations at a peer-to-peer level. They're not wearing it to site and saying to the manager, hey, look at me, um, look at this shirt, we should get them for everyone. They're having these conversations at that peer-to-peer level with their colleagues and then suddenly the ground swells from the ground up. Yeah, so rather than top down. It's all these other, all these other um, co-workers on site who are like, oh, this is cool, maybe we should all get one. And then you've got this pack of, you know, of, of, of workers who sort of go up high and say, hey, we all want to do this. And then, of course, you know, you're not having a manager or, a, you, know, you know, a site manager or a boss saying, I need you to wear these so that we all talk about mental health. It's more about, yeah. hey, we all want to do this. And, of course, most of the time employers are like, well, this is awesome. We know how important mental health is. 
more than happy to get on board with this if this is something you guys want to do. And then all of a sudden, you've already built that camaraderie around the topic from from that, yeah, from the ground up approach. There are two ways your apparel creates a discussion around mental health. There are some, there's four letters on the pocket of every trademark shirt. I'm going to get you to explain that. And on the back, you have a line, this is a conversation starter on the back of all your tops. Just tell us about how those two ideas came about and how they worked to get the conversation started. Yeah, well, for us, like in like everything that we produce and all of our garments, we really want to allow the consumer to connect with the story. It's more than just, hey, put this on, let's talk about it. We've put a whole lot of different features on the shirt that have deeper meaning that, you know, allow people to ask further questions and really sort of dive in a little bit deeper. What are they? Well, so we've got YNWA, as you mentioned, on that uh, on that right-hand pocket. So my mate Dan, who took his life, was a diehard Liverpool supporter, um, absolutely lived and breathed Liverpool Football Club. He would have been absolutely stoked to see them lift that trophy earlier this year, but um so that's a, uh, a tribute to him. So you'll never walk alone is a song that Liverpool sing to their um, to the Liverpool fans sing to their team before every game. So that's a tribute to him, but also a really positive message um, around the you know the mental health movement that anyone wearing one of these shirts instantly becomes part of a community. Then and they will never walk alone. And then of course, as you said, yeah, inscribed across the back is um, the the logo. This is a conversation starter. So. If it's not blatantly obvious by the bold prints and the, and the Larry designs, it's also written like an instruction manual across the back. <laughs> and, yeah, we get the stories that people will be standing behind someone at a shopping centre. They'll see that this is a conversation starter across the back. And the opening the opening line is, uh, yeah, geez, mate, it really is a conversation starter. Um, <laughs> so, so, so you're off. So, yeah. And, of course, um, just based on the success that we've, had with Trademark, this is a conversation starter. We've also established our own uh, not-for-profit, or the TX Foundation, which is the acronym for that. So, yeah, it's grown and evolved nicely. Have you, you must have a couple of stories about how conversations have led to someone's mental health being improved or addressed. Oh, yeah. I mean, frequently, I suppose. One of the, there's one that sort of stands out um, for me. It was about 12 months ago. There was a, a bloke that rang up, um, yeah, rang us up and said that he uh, he'd lost his wife um, to cancer, and he'd had he had young a young boy um, at that time, and then um, obviously it's about you know six or seven years later, and um, he said he'd never really spoken to his son, and his son had never really spoken to him about you know the loss of his mother and his his wife etc. And uh, his son walked through the door one day with one of our shirts on. And obviously the conversation started and he said, you know, we sat down for about two hours and just let it all out, you know, just because of this bloody shirt, you know. And I, um, yeah, it was crazy, like, to think that just a bit of cotton dyed differently with a, with a message behind it was able to create something so important to this, um, to this family. So, yeah, it's crazy. We get them all the time. You got a story, Dan? Oh, mate, I'll probably never forget the day that a fellow by the name of Brad walked into our old office. Um, big Maori bloke, big tough, you know, Kiwi. And he's come in with his heavy accent, which just sounds so bloody beautiful. Um, and I don't know, there's something about that accent that I just like. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, he came in to buy some shirts and I went downstairs and, um, you know, attended uh, to him. And he oh, he started to open up to me. He started to say sort of he was stammering over the words about how much this mental health stuff meant to him. And he went on to tell me how his only son had tragically taken his life just a year earlier, 18-year-old young young kid who just graduated from school. And oh, you, don't, you don't ever forget seeing that look in a parent's eyes when, you know, when they're sort of standing there with tears rolling down their cheeks saying, why, why did this ha- have to happen to me? Um, and that, oh, yeah, I'll never forget that. And that guy, Brad, he pops into our office, um, I'd say, once a month. He's popped into our office one, once a month ever since then. He just loves coming in. He loves trademark. It's really empowered him. It's helped him a lot. It's helped him talk a lot about it with his mates, but it's really helped him deal with what's happened in his life. And so whenever he walks into our office, no matter what I'm doing, I'll drop everything and give him all the time that he needs. That's brilliant. Because, um, yeah, to be able to positively impact one person like that. And, I mean, he's hilarious. Like, he's such a good guy because he says... You know, he'll come home and his wife's his wife. He wears trademark every day. His wife's was, washed all his trademark shirts, and they're hanging out on the line. And he'll run out on the line and he'll take them all off because he doesn't want them to get sun damaged. He doesn't want them to fade, so he's like, <laughs> or stolen. He thinks they'll get nicked. But yeah, so yeah, it's it's 
a simple, it's a simple conversation and a story like that. That um, yeah, kind of it's is, great stories, yeah. fellas. Well, they mu- and they must make you feel you know a, a great reminder of why you're doing what you're doing. Let's get back to the business of of creating trade mart. Um, you got a couple of hundred SKUs across men's and women's product lines. Is that right? Yeah. And then you got a yeah expanding rapidly, sort of over the next expanding uh, rapidly three to four weeks. So uh, yeah, so we put together sort of a scale up document a couple of months ago, sort of how we could take a business and where we are, sort of to where we want to take it over the next twelve months. And, you know, there's about eight recommendations we put together and, and one of those is obviously, you know, rapidly expanding our, our product line um, for our existing customer base just due to the hunger that they have for our for our product and our brand. Um, and, yeah, it was sort of uh, – it was actually inspired by that Michael Masterson um, Ready Fire Aim uh, book and I just took so much out of that and, yeah, jotted this – this you know scale up document together and, and that's obviously yeah one of the main parts is is just expanding our product line. I think in your notes you said you were scaling up to possibly close to a thousand SKUs yep. over the coming twelve months. Do you run the risk of too much choice leads to confusion? Therefore, I'm not going to buy anything. No, nah, I think it, well, it's, it's the interesting thing is that it's low, so low numbers of new stock that's coming into holding a foundation. If that makes sense, so like we've got foundation stock that we'll always have on hand, but then there's shorter runs and shorter availability on um, on other products that come through on a three monthly cycle. Uh, so we just want the ability of you know bringing out some new stuff for our hungry customer base and it being able to sell out on a quarterly basis, but then also be able to maintain the high vis. Um, foundation work prints that we've got so people can always buy the, the things that they love the most. So so do you do some things like limited edition, create a bit of scarcity around that? Absolutely. Yeah, smart, smart. I imagine there's probably a couple of trade mutt collectors out there, are there? There is a lot actually and they, uh, they're they furious when they miss out. So, yeah, there was wow. a, a lady that missed out on a size 14 faff and, um, yeah, it was sort of like she was so angry that we, we'd run out and she couldn't get it but, yeah, it was literally like we couldn't do anything for her. It was a nightmare. That's amazing. You've got to love someone who collects your product. Yeah. You are also in a great position uh, for licensing. Had a, an episode on licensing. We called it Invisible Marketing a few months ago. Um, again, you, you know, you could probably license up and get with, with NRL clubs, AFL clubs. I mean, I don't imagine it being cheap, but... You know, God, the, you know the ideas are endless, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It's sort of that's that's probably why. Yeah, the um, the analogy of the cat and the laser pointer before. I mean, when we first launched, there was just people, and they, it continues to this day. You know, people come at us from a thousand different angles of stuff we should be making and areas we should be producing product and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, we've got to stay really focused on on what we're good at, and what we're good at is producing really unique products that have a powerful message behind it, and we're really good at marketing those products. Uh, and yeah, we've just got to be able to continue to grow off of that. So um, obviously the, the main market we're in now is, you know, workwear and, and the blue collar industry. But once we can, you know, nail that and get a, you know, a, a sizable market share over the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months, well, then we can start to look in, you know, other verticals and, and start to impact other other streams of, of, of workwear. You're selling um, on online via an e-commerce store. How else? You're, whole, you're wholesaling? Well, we were we were wholesaling, um, but we're, we've basically pulled that back due to the fact we can't keep up with our own online, you know, B two C demand. Um, and we're yeah, sort of working at the moment um, with like an exclusive play with a larger B two B distributor, so they can manage the the larger commercial, you know, mining sectors, um, and we can maintain our yeah, our online presence and continue the um, yeah direct to customer market. Like like one of those safety wear franchise kind of setups. Yeah, e- exactly. Yeah, so we're um, yeah getting hit up all the time from them so it's sort of finding the right one that um, you know fits our moral compass and, and our message and we can yeah work with them to get more product out into the market oh that's I like that so your, your moral I was going to say if you're getting hit up all the time by people wanting to stock or do something for you you've got your criteria is a, is one of a moral compass tell us a bit more about that well what we've built here is is um, so much more powerful than just uh, just a just a work shirt and really, you know, we're building a brand um, and the brand is so multifaceted at the moment. The workwear is just one small part of it as we as we evolve. And so for us as a social enterprise, we have to consider who our aligned partners are, you know, what their ethos is, what they stand for. Is it a good fit? You know, we need to really be able to control the narrative and the messaging here because the last thing that we ever want is just to see a, sh- a colourful shirt hanging in- up in a shop and for someone to be like, what's that? And then for someone to be like, ah, you know, it's a mental health shirt. You know what I mean? Like it's not, that's not what it is. You know what I mean? We Maintaining that customer connection, that interaction, ensuring that people understand, you know, exactly what it stands for and then taking people on that journey is really important to us. So if it means that we've got to say no to be able to make sure that all our partnerships are correct, well, 
it's easy to form more relationships, but it's not easy to form a brand. I like that. How do you maintain that going forward? Because you you run the risk of becoming a fashion label, right? And you do, you don't want that. This is a it's a movement, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. It is a movement, and I suppose yeah. How do we how do we maintain that moving forward? It's a really good question because we're still we're learning that on the fly. You know, we know how you know how how much we've hit home with what we've built so far. But you know, we're exploring different partnerships and relationships at the moment, and it's only. That when we dive into some of those that we start to foresee some potential problems, right? And so learning on the fly and understanding what those problems are as, they are as they arrive and how we can potentially mitigate those in the future, well, it's all a learning curve for us. But as long as, as, long as our focus is understanding what we've built and cherishing that, you know, in, at every step we take and considering all avenues and everything that could or could not go wrong, well, that's, you know, that's how we maintain that brand integrity. Dan, what have you found most difficult in starting and growing this business? And to you, Ed, as well. Obviously, um, you know, we're, we're a mental health social enterprise. We're playing in a space that is so sensitive to so many people, right? So my biggest, you know, I mean, to be brutally honest with you, that you've got two sides of the business here. So Ed is obviously, you know, heavily business and sales focused and I'm on that other side of, of marketing, messaging, mental health and, you know, that, that sort of branding. So um, I suppose really understanding why it is that we've made an impact and why it is that we've cut through to the market, understanding what we do well, but also understanding what, what lane we're in. You know, we've learned a lot about mental health through this journey and we don't want to just be another organisation that waves this flag and says, you know, we've got to talk about it. It's always been self-reflecting, reassessing, looking at what's working, what's not working and understanding where we're getting cut through and always being open-minded enough to sort of evolve with the brand as it evolves as well. So, yeah. Well, I, I even noticed um, only recently with the Are You OK movement, Are You, Are you OK Day, it was, it's a great idea. It's a strong brand and it sort of had a big impact very quickly. They're now gone into a second stage, which is saying, if someone says they're not OK, then what do you do? Or if someone says they are okay, what do you do? Um, because there's obviously, there's no yeah. use starting a conversation if you can't finish it, right? And I guess, again, that's part of your challenge. Yeah, well, that's obviously why, you know, it's it's so great that we've been able to launch, you know, this is a conversation starter foundation or the TX foundation, as we call it. And it's sort of our, you know, full circle and close circle approach in the fact that, you know, our shirts are out there starting conversations on a daily basis. And there's a lot of people out there that, you know, need that next step rather than just a peer-to-peer intervention. So, you know, we've been able to provide um, instant free access to to mental health professionals, psychologists, um, yeah, through our texting and call service to the TX Foundation. Um, and that's, yeah, been overwhelmingly successful so far. So it's been in market for about three months. We've had over 101 interactions as of Thursday last week and, uh, and it continues to grow. So it's, uh, yeah, really exciting. Let's talk marketing. How important is marketing to the success of Trademark? Extremely important. It's like our bread and butter. Without, yeah, without that, we'd be nothing really. But in saying that, we have also tripped and stumbled on, you know, some marketing gold that we, we didn't intend to, you know, it wasn't our intention, right? We've ended up being the face of this brand. Apparently, we're relatable. Um, Somehow. Yeah, <laughs> we've had some really good marketing lessons along the way and we learned those lessons really early on and we sort of started to understand what our strengths are, you know, and where and where we lie. And so it's about honing in on the, that. And the Authent- word, yeah, authenticity. Authenticity is key, you know. Yeah. Like we're not – because we're a face behind the brand, we've got nowhere to hide and we're not interested in hiding. Um, it speaks to our approach around transparency in our business, yeah, authenticity always and just being genuine and relatable. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the most important thing is like, yeah, maintaining integrity and being genuine. How have you become the face of your brand? I go going through your shop, your modelling, um, all the clothes, amazing. Some of the some of the uh, moves, your pool boys. Is, I think there's it might be a Magnum in there, or what was that move from Zoolander? It's it? tidy, isn't it? It's tidy. That's a blue, blue steel. steel. It's a blue, yeah, steel. blue steel. Yeah, yeah. No. It's, uh, yeah. How else are you putting your face to the business? Well, well look, yeah. We've, yeah, we've got a number of you know different avenues now. Obviously, we've started the business with social media heavy, so we've had some really strong growth across social media, and we like to give people not just 
we, we don't just like to try to sell stuff to people. We like to give people an insight into our business journey. But I think we'd like to consider the fact that we're actually not only are we standing up for mental health and, and creating cool products, but also taking people on a journey of a couple of tradies who have broken the mould and had a crack at a new business. And that speaks to the transparency piece, I suppose. We've also developed our own uh, podcast, Trademarks 120 Grit, the podcast for the working class. So essentially that was born out of this notion that, you know, we're out there promoting people to have the conversations, hard conversations. Well, we better be having these hard conversations too and I suppose leading by example where we can. So we've had some yeah, awesome yarns with some real and relatable people, some some well-known people as well and really just sharing stories of, of different, you know, challenges around mental health, resilience, overcoming adversity and most importantly lessons learned about, um, about actually travelling that road. Um, and yeah, as you say, you know, we're, we're the models. On the podcast thing, as a podcaster to podcaster, I love the fact that you've got a podcast. I think it's an awesome marketing channel. I've said it before, but more small business owners should do it. Can you quantify how it's impacted positively on your brand? Oh, it's hard to say. We do. We had a, a person uh, message through the other day and say that her psychologist recommended her to listen to our podcast, um, which is unbelievable. So, um, yeah, that's been really good. But I suppose, yeah, as we get a variety of, of different um, demographics and, and, and that tuning in and listening to our podcast, which is really good. You know, it's not just age-specific or gender-specific. There's a lot of – we get a very broad range of listeners, which is fantastic, and they get to listen to a broad range of guests, you know, guys who are builders who have lost everything and rebuilt and started again um there's also you know guys like darren lockyer and yeah, greg martin um and their stories as well which is yeah unbelievable one of the biggest ways i think that i can quantify the impact of the podcast is and i mean you probably understand this as well when you sit in a room and you have a structured conversation that you know is being recorded you think about your words you think about your positioning you start to talk about themes you start to see themes develop and it's a really good way of you know, we talk about the power of having open conversation. Well, when you practice those open conversations, you get better at talking, you get better at understanding what it is you're talking about and you develop and you grow, you learn a lot from other people. So the yeah. podcast has been a great learning experience for us. And along that journey, we've also built a, a solid listener base and, you know, we get some really good hits and some really good feedback on the podcast. So it's a kind of a double-pronged attack there. What's the best marketing you do? to create brand awareness and what's the best marketing you do to generate direct sales? Yeah, yeah. So for, for, um, for brand awareness, it's it's the shirts. That's the beautiful part. There's um, there's no other product in the market that is anything like what we've got. So um, every one of our customers is also our salesperson because uh, as soon as someone asks about them, they can only get it from one, one spot. There's two other uh, brand awareness pieces that I'll chuck in there. So obviously PR is fantastic, right? So we've done some pretty outlandish stuff to to get on TV. We once locked ourselves in two portaloos in the middle of Queen Street Mall for 24 hours and made it on the, on the Today Show twice. That was at a stage in our business where we thought, you know, this might all fall over and that generated, you know, 50K in sales for us yeah. in, in two days. Kept, kept the lights on. Um, and another one for that is where we're also um, – we've also sung and, you know, recorded and filmed a video clip for, you know, our own our own um, song, our own film clip, which was a parody version of John Farnham's You're the Voice um, uh, called You've Got a Voice. So that, Check it out on YouTube, people. Putting it, So there's two examples of really putting yourself out there. Um, you know, in a quite outlandish way that, that generates a lot of that brand awareness and, and not being too worried about what people think of you yeah, for doing that. Definitely. So, yeah. I, I love that. I love that. I haven't spoken to the last guest that talked about, he called it remarkable marketing. Seth Godin, who I've subsequently had on this show, said it wasn't remarkable marketing, but whatever. The guest a few years ago owned some Chick-fil-A franchises in America and he would go and break Guinness Book of Records, largest ice yeah. tea, largest this, largest that, and get a heap of exposure for his business. I love the fact that you guys are doing something similar. Um, they were early day ideas, locking yourself in the Portaloo, creating uh, different uh, a film clip to Farnsey's song, You're the Voice. Have you still got it in you to do that stuff? I hope you have. Yeah, we definitely do. I suppose it just comes down to us at the moment with time. Uh, we're just so time poor at the moment. But that's, just where it all we're... that's where I mean, that's I get it, but that's yeah, that's what I, that's kind of what I thought. Time busy, you, you know, the busyness of business gets in the way and stops you from creating marketing. That's actually it's fun, it's effective, it's viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it's cheap too. You know that sort of that sort of marketing is so cheap. Um, you just got to be able to put yourself out there. Uh, I think the the ability of not giving much of a damn about what people perceive of you is a is a very uh, strong marketing tool. Yep. Have you got an idea for the next one? Oh, we're always coming up with with very outlandish ideas. I mean, a day in a day in the trade mud office is certainly not dull. <laughs> um, and you know, again, same like what Ed was talking about with different opportunities and ideas that people throw our way. Well, it's kind of the same thing on that side. There's so many different things we could do, but the stage of business where we're at is. We're, um, we're definitely not resting on our laurels, but we are We are at a comfortable stage where we've built a brand and now our focus is really on uh, growing our team and investing in our people so that we can get to that next stage where, you know, we can free ourselves up more and then go and do this outlandish stuff because, my word, we've definitely got it in us and we're, we're always going to be, you know, a couple of larrikins who are going to have a crack and not too worried about what people think. The only thing that scares me is when we get to that point and we free ourselves up a bit, what that stunt is that we pull, I mean, it could be absolutely game-changing. So yeah. it's exciting. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Well, I really hope you do that because, again, it's just great marketing. Just to round off the marketing discussion, you are two busy blokes. You've got a team. Did you say there are eight in the Trade Mud office at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's eight. Yep. Eight of us, how, yeah. do you man- how do you manage marketing? Is one of you responsible for it? Do you have a marketing manager? What's that look like? Yeah, got a director of marketing. Uh, a director he, of marketing? Direct, director of marketing, yeah, yeah, yeah. He so gave himself, he gave that, himself title. that title, yeah. <laughs> right. um, no, but yeah, so Mike Mike Watkins, he's uh, he's great. He's, um, yeah, been fantastic. He, he came into the business almost 12 months ago. Uh, we've been able to build that out um, to now have uh, our e-commerce manager, Kate. Uh, we've got a community manager called Gemma. And, uh, yeah, so Dan and Dan runs the, the social impact side. Tell me about the community manager. What's Gemma's role? That's an interesting role. So, basically, we've got quite a strong social media footprint, right? And we are just getting bombarded every day with awesome messages, comments. You know, we've got a lot of social media posting out there that generates a lot of activity. And we really take it upon ourselves to acknowledge as many people as we possibly can because that speaks to one of our brand pillars, you know. Um, And so... That is time-consuming. That is extremely time-consuming but really rewarding and an investment into our business that – you know, we we will never we'll never change that. Yeah. I can safely say that we will never change our approach to connecting with our customers and consumers. People who take the time to reach out to us, we will always take the time back, to yeah. reach back. So I think there's too many people that forget that. Yeah, far too many businesses. Messages, that that. comments, um, yeah, um, all sorts of things. Emails, it's all coming through. So, yeah, managing that to, it's a, something really important to us. And, and you can see that. And I've had a look at your social media, and there is they're engaged. There's great conversations happening, which is what should be happening and it's clearly that aspect of your brand which is all about starting the conversation and the whole mental well-being uh, versus you're just a shirt you're just a work shirt yeah. which is not yeah. you know how much harder is that to create engagement and conversation around so clearly exactly. that part of the brand is just so so so, so important it is yeah mm. it's, it's hugely important it's something that yeah we will invest a lot of time and, and effort into and it's what we'll continue to um, invest a lot of time and effort into as we as we expand because it's only going to become more prevalent for us to yeah make social change there but yeah also through our supply chain as well I mean it's also something that we stumbled on though you know it's something that we we didn't get in you know to this business saying we're going to, you know, yeah, we're going definitely. to reply to every message. <laughs> we're going to lock ourselves in toilet, like all this stuff. We've, yeah, we definitely we've, didn't have a plan. We've picked up along the way. We've worked out early on what sort of what what's working in our favour, and we've honed in on that. What's the next big move? Something? What's something that you're just dying to implement inside the business or the brand, but you're either too scared to, or frustrated frustrated by the fact that you don't have enough resource to do it, time or money. Oh, you know, it's it's hard, I suppose. One of the things would be, um, yeah, probably the, the next big thing for us is being able to get ourselves off the tools and, and be out more and, and be spreading the message further on a, you know, face-to-face level as well. So we've always had some outlandish ideas of getting a, you know, a ute and setting it up with a pod, our podcast kit in the back and sort of driving from Brizzy down to Melbourne and doing a tour, doing a tour and, uh, yeah, having some chats, some, you know, a lot of real-life tradies and, and what they've been through and uh, spreading the message that way. That's probably one big audacious thing we'd love to do. 
Yeah, I mean, on my side of things as well, I suppose at the moment, um, you know, we've established our own not-for-profit. So essentially we're, you know, two entrepreneurs who are launching two businesses at the same time, albeit one as a charity. So, um, yeah, so we're sort of a bit off double at the moment. But, um, yeah, growing, you know, my eyes at the moment are on, uh, you know, Christmas approaching and building out our not-for-profit capacity to be able to offer, you know, solid mental health support to our community that need it over that Christmas period. And the only way that we can do that most effectively is on the trademark side of things, scaling up. The more business we can generate, the more sales we can generate, well, then the more donations we make to our own charity, which means the more mental health professionals that we can fund to, to be working. So, exactly. it's, it's, it's yeah, it's growing that together. Dan and Ed, I think it's a fantastic story. One, very much in the making. I will be getting you boys back on in two or three years' time because it's just going to be its going to be a whole – it'll be the same, but I imagine a whole lot different. And I just want to thank you on behalf of all business owners, really, for and all human beings, actually, for just, again, contributing to the conversation and getting the conversation started around mental illness. So I think it's its massive and um, and well done to you two young blokes. And Trade Mutt is where you'll find those blokes. Trade Mutt – with a double T dot com, uh, go and buy a high vis shirt. Even if you don't work on a building site, would be my advice. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Good on you, Tim. Thanks so much for having us, mate. Thanks, mate. Hey, what a great couple of blokes. Seriously, even if high vis wear isn't part of your everyday fashion routine, and it should be, go and buy one of their ridiculously vibrant tops and support the cause. They also make hoodies, caps. <laughs> aprons, believe it or not, and skadoots. I didn't know what a skadoot was, but if you go to the Trademark website, you will see some very loud skadoots. Trademark.com is where you'll find them. Right, here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with the boys. Attention grabber number one. I love the way they're building the Trademark brand by always asking if what they're about to do fits in with their moral compass. A great criteria. Attention grabber number two. I love that they're thinking about PR stunts. I reckon the idea of being locked inside a portaloo in their CBD is a ripper. Speaking of big ideas, you would have listened to that Daniel Flynn episode by now and how he rolled the dice on a big idea. I really, really encourage you to think about how you can do that. Remember Daniel's tip around blue sky thinking once every couple of weeks? do it. Attention grabber number three, I just love the fact that they're bringing mental health to the fore. If you did just one thing, just one thing as a result of this episode, could you please do that inside your business regularly? Don't wait for the next are you okay day. That's next year. Do it today. Go and ask your staff, how you doing? How's your headspace? You know, are you coping? and introduce that conversation, that language into the business. It's important, team. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, give me a buzz on 0480-015-150. You got up to five minutes to leave me a message, ask me a question, a comment, be constructively critical, whatever you got. Leave a message and I might just play it on an upcoming episode. Yes, indeedly, doodly, it is time to reward another motivated listener of this podcast for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is ex-corporate lawyer turned digital marketing agency owner, George Kudanaris of Waves, that's W-A-Y-V-E-S dot com dot A-U. So good email from George, a little long, a little long. But there's some good stuff in it around ideas that he's implemented. He says, Timbo, thank you so much for doing what you do. My pleasure, George. Despite having a natural love for marketing and learning SEO while studying law at university, <laughs> well, you got a lot of time on your hands, I became a corporate lawyer working 80 to 90 hours a week and hated what I was doing. I reached my breaking point and found myself in tears in the shower at 3am after another late night doing something I wasn't passionate about. 
Oh, buddy, thank you for your honesty already, George. The inspiring stories on your podcast kept me going in this pretty tough time and gave me the courage to leave the legal world and follow my passion. Oh, I love hearing those words. I boned up at a leading independent marketing agency for a few years and now run my own business, helping small and medium-sized businesses take action and create helpful marketing. (laughs) I've written a book about that. It's called The Boomerang Effect. Back to George. I've worked my way through your back catalogue and I hope you don't mind, but I use the ideas from the show for my clients and my own business. Of course I don't mind. That's why I do the show. Here's just a few nuggets of gold that I've implemented, Timbo. Using geo-targeting, highly tailored Facebook ads to make a small business seem really big to the right people. I like that. And turning this into fantastic leads, one of which was an ASX-listed company. I've tested some local SEO tips from Dana DiTomazio. She was the SEO expert from last year or the year before, uh, which gave one of my clients more visibility and led to them getting a lead worth a million bucks. I took a leaf out of Stu Henneke's playbook and sent a personalised gift to someone who could potentially refer some work to us. This worked and I won a client out of it. Getting each of my clients to answer the top queries for their industry in the form of a short audio, a short video I should say, which can then be transcribed and turned into blog posts. There's plenty more, but these are just a few that come to mind, Timbo. I'm the guy that actually takes other people's phones and makes them download your podcast. Ah, oh, thank you, George. Thank you again, Timbo. You've done so much for people, more than you could ever know. Cheers, George of waves.com.au. George, for that wonderful email, you get a full range of Liars non-alcoholic spirits valued at over 500 bucks, vouchers to buy Sendal services, Torsion Bar, and some tradies undies. Promotion on this show and a bank link, back link in the show notes. Everyone else, please start taking some serious marketing action. Well, that is nearly it, team. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, be sure to join the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe over on Facebook. We've currently got over 700 members sharing ideas, holding each other accountable, and having some great conversations around marketing. Next week, we catch up with third-generation chocolate store owner Johnny Capos, or Chocolate Johnny, as he likes to call himself, who's using social media and, in particular, live streaming to grow his very traditional chocolate shop. If you've got something to tell me, then give me a buzz, 0480-015-150. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, then go over to the Podcast One Australia app, Download it and you'll find over 522 more episodes just like this one. Maybe better, maybe not. (laughs) Uh, Please let other business owners know about the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, which is presented by me, Timbo Reid, and beautifully choreographed by the dance troupe over at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now. (laughs) 